the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 2. This is our regular Thursday uh, installment with the great Sam Stone. SamStone.vote is his website. He is, uh, I don't mean to be pejorative or have this come off in any way pessimistic, but he is our last best hope for the city of Phoenix. He is running for city council. Looks like he made it into the playoffs, and uh, you're you're ready to roar and to go. Heading to a March 11th runoff, it is going to be, you know, it's going to be a slam bang. It's going to be a slam bang battle. I mean, we've got the mayor. Her guy is the other guy that got through, Kevin Robinson. Um, You know, I'm going to have some fun with him. Uh, Kevin's actually a Scottsdale resident renting a house in Ahwatukee. So uh, we've got carpet bagging Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, she's, she's brought him in for very clear purpose to further her agenda. So uh, carpet bagging Kevin also happens to be rubber stamp Robinson. Uh-huh. And I think I'm going to have a little fun with Sounds it. Sounds like it. Uh, you know, look, I don't dislike the guy. I mean, he's not a bad guy. He's an ex-police officer, but he's, he's dull. He knows the police department, but he does not know anything about the rest of the city. Um, and frankly, again, I mean, the, I, I'm joking about the rubber stamp Robinson thing, but that's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a guy who was known. He was a, a public information officer for the police department for his whole career. He's not someone who's known as a go-getter or, you know, a, a kind of self-motivated guy. This is someone who other people point and shoot and, and they go where you tell them. Yeah. And so, look, you can't have that anymore now. I mean, we we can't have that. You can't have another council member who's there just to serve the mayor. No, I I think that's right. To the degree that the mayor is supporting him, um, it tells you almost everything you need to know. Brought him into the race knowing he's not a resident of the district, knowing he's not a resident of the city. It's important that people understand, Sal, the CCO is leaving the city council. Uh, One of the last few voices of common sense uh, and responsibility and accountability over at our Phoenix City Council. He has, like I have, endorsed uh, Sam Stone. Sam Stone worked for Sal. Sam Stone knows the city. He knows the city council. And uh, I can't envision that seat not being represented by someone with a Salda CCO ethos. And you have that, Sam. You have, you have to have it. I mean, the difference between Phoenix and Los Angeles has been Salda CCO screaming his head off. I always say two votes, one voice, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Waring and Sal mm-hmm. votes. But, but then Sal screaming his head off and bringing attention. Because, frankly, the stuff that Democrats are doing, I mean, we saw this with, with Hobbs in the election. She did not run on any of the things she will do in office. Yeah, make that you 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 had sense uh, you had texted or tweeted something about that. Make that point; it's a good one. Yeah, so I mean, Katie Hobbs really said very little. Obviously, we know she didn't debate, but she, you know, if you followed her on Twitter or that kind of thing, it was like some really poorly written Hallmark postcard thing. I mean, where it just didn't have any real content. There was no meat. She really never said anything. The things she did say were were really abject lies. I mean, she talked. She ran ads about securing the border. She ran ads about cutting taxes. Um, here she is. She's not even taken office yet, and she's inquiring how she gets rid gets rid of Ducey's border strike force, right. and how she and she's already looking at tax increases. Everything she actually said on this campaign over a year and a half 
will turn out to be, by the end of this year, you'll realize every single thing that came out of her mouth was a lie. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I like the way you put that. Samstone.vote is a website to learn more about Sam and to help him out. This is going to be a battle royal. And and, uh, and it's the only game in town now, the only folks. Game in I town mean, this is, the, this is the last election running. Yeah. Um, with a Republican in it. So go to March, huh? Yeah, March 11th. Okay. Um, well, we're here for you, Sam, and, and anyone who uh, wants to help. Again, samstone.vote. All right. So we now probably know as much as we're going to know about the other races for the most part, Sam. How do you assess uh, the election nationally at this point? How do you assess it uh, Locally, I've been asking all all my long-form interview guests that question. You're my long-form interview guest today. Well, David Reboy later, but for this hour. Um, Tale of Two Cities? What's the takeaway from... Now, not just ago. two cities. It's it's there's a couple of different things here. Right. Everyone's focusing on the Trump aspect and that's legitimate. Now, I'll get to that in just a second. But I want to focus on something else first. Um, Enthusiasm. What people saw is an enthusiasm gap with Republicans. And we saw this in 2022. Republicans are out in big crowds. Look, Democrats have been fractured by covid. They've been damaged by it. They're never going to be gathering in these big crowds. Um, enthusiasm does not matter. It still matters on the Republican side. It does not matter on the Democrat side. They don't do primaries. They don't do competitive primaries. So they're, they're, that's where enthusiasm might still play on their side. But but they don't. So they go straight to the general. And in the general, their ballot, it's all a ballot harvested operation. It is a ballot gathering operation that they do nationwide now in the wake of COVID where they've figured out how to do this. And so when you see those, you know, we came into this saying, oh, Republicans, and I said it too, Republicans have a big enthusiasm advantage. We're fired up. Democrats are not. And there's reason for that because Biden's been a terrible president, uninspiring, and, you know, Republicans are fed up. Well, that doesn't matter. There, there is no break. There, there's no more swing like that in elections. And Republicans have to get real serious about the fact that whatever the rules are, those are the rules we're playing by in this cycle, not the rules we wish. So you can't be telling people not to bring, not to do early ballots. If you're in a state like Arizona with early ballots, you have to chase them. I, I thought we kind of hurt ourselves on we that. We hurt ourselves and, terribly. And I disagreed with everyone that I had the opportunity to disagree with that said, don't do early ballots, nope. show. I we, just thought we, we heard ourselves flood terribly. The system, and you know you can still track an early ballot. Be, because I did, because, I tracked mine. Yeah, because Seth, if if I'm a campaign, and you're a voter, and you've turned in your early ballot, now I can see that. I can't. I can't tell how you voted, but I can tell you've turned in your early ballot. Well, now I can redirect my resources to somebody else. Yeah. Um, so you had one campaign that was focused on early ballots, one party focused on early ballots and grinding that down and running a very efficient operation at turnout that way. Mm-hmm. And then you had the other one that was just telling everyone, hey, just show up. Yep. The problem with that is now I've got to deliver that message to every single Republican and I've got to get them out there. And look what happens. And you if have there's a, a problem there, you've got to reach them on Election Day. Right. And, and we fought hard to reach right. them on what they needed to do if there was a problem. And let's say that Election Day rolls around and your kid comes up sick or you end up, you know, you're, you've got a car accident. You get a cold. Or you're sick or anything. You're yeah, sick. Right. It's raining, Plumbing whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you get called into a meeting at work and you, you, you don't get out in time to get to the polls, whatever it might be. We're losing votes. We're losing votes we should have had in. Right. And so use the rules that are there. 
into and, and Carrie Lake, you know, folks who know know I was her policy director. She's probably going to be a little upset with me for saying this, but I'll, I will I will say it straight up. Uh, two days before the election, when Donald Trump came out and basically announced he was running, I got an icy pit in my stomach. You got a feel I, I, right then and there. Um, and I was nervous. I was more nervous than the pollsters and the. You, I, I will remind the audience, a week ago, sitting in the chair where you are sitting today, a week ago when everyone was saying Kerry's going to win, Kerry's going to win, you said, not yet. Slow down. What's the Boston phrase? Ducks roll? Yeah, yeah. Wait for the duck boats to yeah, roll yeah. because, you know. You, 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 you really, had a feel. I, I was nervous. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like the, the electorate was as good as the polls were showing. Yeah. Um, and when he came out and did that, I had I got a really icy pit in my stomach because as much as – I might like Donald Trump as much as anyone listening out there really likes Donald Trump. And there are lots of good reasons. A lot of people that don't. (laughs) There's a lot of of people that don't. And the problem is there's more people that don't than do. And so if you go back to 2016, Trump won some states pretty big against Hillary Clinton. This was not one of them. Arizona is not really a Trump state. He got 48% of the vote. He won because you had a Green Party candidate. The state is not Yavapai County. No. Right. Um, you know, in and, and there's a real problem with him with college educated uh white people, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Yep. Um and they really don't like him. And and I can understand, I mean, I kinda like the blustery New Yorker thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a nineteen eighties New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And I kinda like that, but that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in upstate it's New York. It's a cultural and yeah. an acquired taste. You either have it because yeah. you grew up with it or you acquire it through military. But, but or for work. a lot of people, particularly who are younger than me, and particularly those who are college it's not a language they understand. It's not at all. a language they understand. It's a language that they've been taught is hateful. Right. And I don't actually believe that. I don't believe it's hateful. I actually, I mean, the the idea that Donald Trump, who was fed and loved by like every black person in this yeah, country right. until he ran for president right. is a racist. Right. It's just silly. No, the, silly. I, I think that's the right but, way to put it. He spoke the language that our parents spoke. It wasn't the la- it was kind of the language that you had to once in a while say to your dad, you know, we can't talk like that right. anymore. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. And only he was too rich to have anyone yeah, tell him right, right. he can't talk like that anymore. Yeah. So he didn't learn those lessons right, along right, the way. Like right. most people's grandparents got the hint right, right. And, and kind of buttoned it up and right. you know, accepted home. Right. 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 Trump, Trump just ran it out on a national campaign. We'll talk more about it when we come back. Sam is happy to take your calls, questions, and thoughts along with me here at 602-508-0960-602-508-0960. Feel free to disagree with us, too. We're giving you a lot to disagree with. Yeah. We're serving that up pretty easily, too. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have my buddy Sam Stone in studio with me. He is a candidate for city council in District 6, and he is an expert on a whole lot of things, uh, whether it's uh, domestic policy, uh, city policy, municipal, statewide, or election policy. And we're happy to take your call, 602-508-0960. He was also uh, the policy director uh, uh, for the uh, Cary, uh, for Kerry Lake and the Kerry Lake for Governor campaign. Bob is in Glendale. Bob, you're on with Sam Stone and me. Hey, Bob. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I just heard Sam say <laughs> that Trump did not win Arizona, and I have friends on a committee that have submitted the documents of the falsified votes, and they are... They have been refused to look at. 
and I still don't believe today that Biden won Arizona. All right. We'll talk about it a little bit, Bob. One of the interesting things, Sam, we were just kind of talking about over the break, you and I were, is that Donald Trump won in Arizona in 2016 by a far higher margin than the result in 2020. Yeah, about, however you want to count about it. About four points. Right. Uh, however you want to yeah. characterize it. Fair, however you want to. Yep. Clearly, he was a better 2016 candidate in Arizona than 2020. He, he was. Um, although, again, that that got a little bit skewed because you had a Green Party candidate who right. got five, six percent of the vote in that race. Right. So uh, Green Green and Libertarians don't pull 100 percent from one side or the other. Most often it's a protest vote. So it does. It's it's not like 100 percent. What are the, those would have been Hillary votes right. had the Green Party candidate not been in there. Right. Um, my point there, Bob, was not that. I, you know, without getting into whether the election was stolen or this or that, there are a lot of states where Trump won in the general election 56 percent, 58 percent, 60 percent. Arizona is not one of those states. So my that's my point when I say it's not a Trump state is that this isn't a state where he was blowing out the Democrats. You think about your standard Trump voter. You're thinking about uh, you're, you're, you're thinking about West Virginia. You're thinking well, Oklahoma about Oklahoma had the largest margin for him, right? Michigan. You're yeah. talking about industrial workers and blue collar workers. Blue collar workers, industrial workers, right. obviously oil and gas right. industry. It's not Arizona. It's it's a different. It, we're a different state yeah. than that, right? Yeah. Um, we are. So where he really rang up big margins was in heavily blue collared states. Right. And Arizona is not a heavily blue collar state. It's really split. Like everything else right now, we are really a swing state. Let's not have any misconception about that. This is a swing state. Um, It's worth noting that as much as people liked Trump and still like Trump, that he turned off a bunch of the people that voted for him. 35 percent of the electorate. That's not a winning number. And and with what he's done since since 2020. No. and again, it doesn't matter what you or I or anyone thinks of what he's done since 2020. I really deal when we're talking politics. I'm big on just dealing with the facts on the ground. And this is kind of one of those things that you're dealing with is that there's a bunch of people that voted for Donald Trump who right now would not vote for him again. That's right. Now, can he rehabilitate that? Potentially he can. Um, but he hasn't done it yet. And so when you're talking about the effect of him playing in this most recent election, the effect is that you're you're dealing with someone who inspires tremendously a minority of the state. Mm-hmm. You said something highly valuable in the first segment, Sam, and I think it's important if we're going to win elections going forward, we we absorb this. I've been trying to say it different ways for many years. You said it very well. It had to do with that issue of enthusiasm and rallies. Mm-hmm. The issue being that, yeah, we we were turning out. He was turning out these tremendously football sized as was Kerry Lake, right? I mean, right. she's turning out right. huge, right. huge crowds these, everywhere. These, yeah. these these were the best shows in town. This was the best ticket in town, and yet there's a lot of people who weren't there. A lot right. more people who weren't there. It's important to remember not everyone agrees with you. No. It, one of the, so one of the things, Seth, that I tell candidates every time when I'm starting to work with them and that I have to tell activists quite a bit um, to, to, to kind of frame this for them is, look, if you're here 
if you're running for office or if you're out volunteering for a candidate, you're showing up at an LD meeting, you're showing up to a, you know, easy AZ or tea party or whatever it is. If you're doing that, you are not normal. Um, I'm not a normal guy. You're not a normal guy. The people showing up for those meetings are not normal. If you're coming out to a political rally, it's really only a portion of that crowd that that are normal people who might just show up because they're curious and they want to see it once. But the people who are deeply vested in politics are not representative overall of the electorate. And it's really important just to, to start with that basis that most people, the average person, is not deeply vested in politics. They're deeply vested in their family and their job and their life. They're not deeply vested in politics. And so what we have to remember is the base, our base, the Democrat base, they're decided. No one in those groups, is their vote is up in in the So what are we fighting for, 30%? Right. So that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for 30%. And that 30% is pretty predictable in certain ways. They want to be safe. They want to feel secure. They don't want chaos. They don't like drama. They don't like drama. Yep. And, you know, why did they pick Joe Biden? Because he was the most boring guy in the entire field. Mm -hmm. Now, it turns out that he's not there and and the people running the presidency are are not unfortunately boring like Biden. They're far left activists. But. They're, that 30%, Calm beat frenzy, though. Right. Calm did beat frenzy. But that that thirty percent that that made the that made the decision to put Biden in office, they're not paying attention. They don't realize his staff is bat crap crazy, um, because they're not paying attention. Again, they tune in for a few weeks every four years, or a few weeks every two years. Who's running? What do they stand for? Okay, do I like them? Do I not like them? It's the most superficial analysis you're ever going to get and there is a narrative of those shall we just call low and would you is that is that a defined as a low informed voter i've never liked that phrase let's just say a late informed voter perhaps a late informed voter Let Surf, me work i would that. i would i actually call those surface voters okay so low information voters uninformed voters to me are actually more often party line voters okay who don't really know the issue. Okay. They're just deeply vested in All their right, so side. Let's, so the surface voter is yeah. what we're talking about. They only really heard two messages in the last weeks of the election. Republicans are against democracy, and Republicans want to take away all abortion rights. That's right. That's what they heard. That's what they heard. And part of the reason they heard that, and, and this is another thing we have to be cognizant of, Arizona's state three in the blueprint. After 2008, uh, Barack Obama's team wrote a wrote a book about how to go after these red western states and turn them blue and you do it with with by stopping spending money in primaries in california and new york and the big blues and diverting that money into the reds and it overwhelms us so if you look up and down the ballot every democrat had massively more cash yep and that's not going to stop we have to find a way to fight that we'll pick up on all this when we come back happy to take your calls to 602-508-0960 i'm seth leapson he is sam stone we'll be right back Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is our guest. Let me put in a word for bingo reverse mortgage. With inflation slamming retirees, throwing retirement budgets into chaos, with inflation at a 40-year high, the dollar isn't going as far as it did just months ago. Gas prices high, grocery prices increasing over 13% since this summer, and a recession looming. Aging adults are struggling to make ends meet. 
A bingo reverse mortgage could be the safety net you need to get you through these hard times by allowing you to convert the equity in your home into cash. A bingo reverse mortgage put more money in your pocket for living expenses, help you fight inflation, make your investments last longer, and give you the security in your retirement that you deserve. Call the veteran-owned and staff bingo team at 928-277-4476. That's 928-277-4476. Yep, that's an Arizona number. Or visit bingoreversemortgage.com, bingoreversemortgage.com. Tell them I sent you and get a free appraisal reimbursed at closing, a $1,000 value. Sam, there's a there's a stat rolling around um, that I seized on that tells me something. I wonder if I'm right or if it tells you anything. Some of these uh, school board races, some of these, like uh, I was particularly interested in following and supportive of of the ladies over at Scottsdale Unified, mm-hmm. Amy Carney and uh, Karen Werner. They they their their turnout was ran 13 points higher, 13 points higher than the general election turnout. They were speaking about kids' issues. They were talking about parental rights. Um, I'm, I'm kind of hooked on this notion of fighting for the culture. I kind of thought a part of the selection, a big part of it, was going to be, without the phrase, you know, a children's crusade and a parents' rights crusade. And it seems to me candidates that spent more time on that um, did a little bit better. Um, those that were afraid of touching those or receded from or, you know, just did economy didn't quite do as well, didn't quite close I, the deal. Absolutely, Seth. I mean, you could say that Tom Horn was a blemished candidate coming into this. And I like Tom. I mean, you know, if if anyone you get to know him, he's he's a great guy. Um, But you would have called him a blemished candidate. A lot of history. A lot of history. A lot of white. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. there is. Um, But he stayed focused narrowly on those things. Right. It was very much about the indoctrination, the gender ideology. I heard him give speeches on 1619 that were the best speeches I've heard anyone give. Yeah. Honest he, to gosh. Well, he's deeply vested and yep. versed in this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really does know it. And, and he was actually a very good superintendent for all the yep. criticisms of him, which, by the way, mostly came as AG. Yeah, came out. And, and yeah. frankly, weren't all that relevant. I mean, it was really they went after him because he was a defender of SB 1070 and some of those things. But um, but he stayed focused on that and he won. Right. Uh, school board candidates all over the place. Yeah. We got a lot of school board candidates in. Um, that's a big silver lining, I think. I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people haven't been paying attention. They were out polling the statewide candidates. Corpcom. Mm-hmm. We, Corp- you know, yep. And again, these are seats where they stayed focused narrowly on some of the Democrats' biggest excesses in education, in energy policy, in, in this sort of thing. And so I think what you really had – I mean, look, I know people get really, really mad when I say this. But you had two elections in one. You had um, people who were running simply as Republicans on the issues relevant in their area. Mm -hmm. And then you had people who were running as Donald Trump endorsed candidates. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a very clear five percent break, you know, here in Arizona and across the country. Is that what explains some of the treasurer versus governor's race, too? Yeah. Yeah, treasurer versus governor's race, superintendent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Abe Hamaday is actually benefiting, even though he's Trump endorsed. He's benefiting because crime and home, you know, I mean, is such a big thing. And people realize Democrats like Chris Mays, they're not believe it's not like Biden where they think maybe things will be okay. They know if they elect Chris Mays, yeah. criminals run wild, right? Right. So, and they may have done that anyway, and criminals will be running wild if that's the case. 
But but Hamaday may pull that one off. That one's within, a, I think, 100 and something votes today. It certainly it, – it, yeah, it, it, if there's no concession there and if it maintains this closeness, I mean, it certainly goes to a statutory It's going to recount. a recount. Yeah. And, and then the question, I mean – but but Abe may be leading by the time that recount begins. Fair enough. So, and that would benefit him tremendously because recounts don't usually change the outcome from the general. Recounts election. actually generally tend to show that we're, we're not all that bad at counting yeah. ballots. Yeah. No. Um, there's oft, there are always going to be off a little bit, but not very much. This um, is a short segment. Let me take this quick commercial break and come right back. We'll do a bigger one when we come back. Sam Stone is our guest. Samstone.vote. We'll talk a little bit about some of the city council issues, too. Uh, this homelessness thing. You know, Carrie had a great homelessness plan. You helped with that. You have a great homelessness plan. It is our last best hope to deal with it by getting you there. We should talk about that. And, and I'm still working on that. I'm not backing down at all. We need that done. Good. I will uh, do anything I can to help you with that. We'll be right back. If you are concerned about stock market volatility, our sponsors at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Your interest rate is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. It's an investment in a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, up to 10.25%. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, R E F Y.com. Or give them a call at 888 Refi 34 That's 888 Refi. 34. Really great, guys. Happy yeah, was, to talk to you. Was that Dance, Dance, Dance by the Steve Miller Band? Wasn't that great? That was fantastic. Yeah. I had a big fight with my producer about that. Oh. A big fight. Well, I'm glad you It's won. a fantastic song. It is a fantastic yeah. song. Steve Miller Band. He's still around. He's still rocking. Is he? Rolling. Oh, yeah. Sure. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's still around. I haven't been. I have never seen him in concert. Anyway, to those listening on the podcast, they don't get the music. We came in with Dance, Dance, Dance by Steve Miller. Um Sam, we were talking just a moment ago about kind of uh, some of these cultural issues. This is a cultural issue because it embodies so much, and it is this issue of chronic homelessness. This is the cultural issues of every, I don't know, moment, generation, or election will change a little bit. I think it's about the kids. I think it's about parental rights. I think it's about drugs. And I think it's about all of that that's wrapped up in our chronic homeless situation as well. You have a hell of a plan. You have been on this for a long time. Outline it. I mean, my plan is, is frankly very straightforward. Right now we're using an approach called housing first, which says I've got to go put a homeless person in a house before – and then I can ask them and offer opportunities for them to get clean and, and get into treatment and do things to get their life on track. But I can't demand any of those things. And so what it turns into is frankly a warehousing program, a very expensive one where when people hit rock bottom, they agree to this. They go into the house. They're there for a few months. They turn into a drug flop house. They blow out. They get evicted. They're back on the street. And the the system is designed essentially to fail because our resources by, by federal design all have to be uh, focused on those people who are most service resistant, who have been homeless for the longest and really don't want to get into any kind of treatment. The people you see on the street, that you and I, Seth, and the, our listeners out there right now who would, would know as homeless, those are chronic street homeless. Those are people who, by and large, 
um, probably 80, 90 percent plus are drug addicted and have also often mental illness issues. Uh, The two are related. If you get them clean, you can address the mental health issues. If, If you don't get them clean, that'll never happen. And that's the that's the key, right? So you got to start by getting them clean. My plan starts with leading with services. You build the beds so you you pass the test, what they call the Boise test. So you have enough beds so that you can ban urban camping, so that you can enforce the law and you get them off the street. And look, you make life really tough on them unless they're willing to follow a treatment program and, and get better and rejoin society. And if they don't, you have to use broken windows policing. You have to use the Rudy Giuliani approach. There's so many people who are recovered who will tell you very, very straightforward um, that you need the criminal justice system mm-hmm. as part of that. You need to take people to jail. Now, you need to there and get them into diversion and treatment programs. You need to do all sorts of things once they're there. But this is your stick. This is the hook. This is what you have. And so you have to make use of it. And, you know, they'll tell you, I would never have without the criminal justice I never saw the light until I saw the laws, the refrain I used to hear. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, but case after case, that's that's the deal. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do. And so my, my plan just goes hard at that and just says, listen, we're going to build the beds, then we're going to enforce the law. And if they don't want to stick around for this, they can go to California. That's okay. There's this notion that it's uncompassionate to take them away and deprive them of their rights. I don't think they have any concept. I don't think they have any concept of what rights. There was a story last week in uh, in this area on Jefferson and Knight that we casually refer to as the zone, a story of a 20 to 24-week unborn child that was yeah. found dead, burned to death. Yes. Burned to death. Yeah. I don't know what civil society tolerates that. No, in nor, no, on the street, no burned society, to death. Yeah, on the I'm, I'm, I'm aware. This is a, a horrific um, thing. They, you know, had a uh, early birth, um, drug-addled, but but apparently born alive, and then put the baby in a box, doused it with gasoline, and lit it on fire and burned it um, on the street here in Phoenix, Arizona, folks. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about this stuff. I mean, this is this is beyond any level of humanity. One of the things you realize when you 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 go down and talk to homeless people, and I know you've realized this, Seth. This is not a a crowd of victims. This is a crowd of users. They have learned how to use drugs, but they've also learned how to use the system, and they are very good at playing on those soft-hearted emotions. And so. They follow a system. They they call it housing first, but where it really comes from is an academic theory called harm reduction, um, which posits that people are not responsible for their own actions. Right. So if I become a drug addict and living on the street, then by harm reduction theory, that's not my fault. That's just society's failing me. And the system will say we are going to do our best to make your use safe. Right. So you have these poster boards now in New York, which embl- are emblematic of what we're talking about here, which says if you're a heroin user, don't be ashamed to be safe. Right. And they find and they tell you in the city of New York where you can go to shoot up heroin safely. They'll right. give you a clean needle to do it. Yeah, place to do it, a clean right. needle to do it. I mean, that's this not is, a compassionate. This is not a compassionate either. society. Leaving people on the street is not compassionate. Leaving them in the midst of their drug addiction and mental illness is not compassionate. And we've been fooled. We've been lied to. 
by some very well-intentioned people. Let's not get this wrong. The people who are in, in and around the homeless service yep. industry got there because they wanted to make a difference. Right. They wanted to make things better. They didn't better. have the power of arrest either. But they, they, they have gotten um, sucked into their own system. And they are victims of their own system. And and they're promoting this idea that we can just continue this path. And it's it's ludicrous. We need to lead with services. We need tough love. We need to use the law. Yeah, we need crime. People don't understand that, you know, it's not just Sam and I and people in this audience who are worried about crime emanating from Ninth and Jefferson. There is no more criminally abused population from the crime on from the crime on homelessness against homeless person. Uh, yeah, homeless the, person against homeless person. The they are victims of there are crimes against themselves that they are committing on a daily basis from arson to battery to worse. Yeah. Sexual assault. And they deserve is, protection, too, is incredibly common. Um, you have murders. You have all sorts of terrible things that are happening, uh, plus all the petty stuff, the theft and, and the, the minor violence and all this kind of thing. And most of the victims of homeless criminality are other homeless. That's right. I mean, that's just it, it, you cannot continue this. But right. these people know the deal. They know that if they say the right things to the right social worker, that they will get the services, whatever else, you know, yep. resources they want. Nothing will be asked of them and they'll be allowed to continue this drug out of lifestyle, which is what their goal is. Welcome back uh, in just a few moments uh, with more from Sam Stone. He'll have uh, some closing thoughts on the importance of the race that he's still in, which, as I say, really, it's our last best hope for the city of Phoenix uh, and uh, maybe from Maricopa County brought more broadly, maybe from Arizona more broadly still. I mean, you put someone like Sam in a position of city council, the reach is far greater than just the seat on the city council. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back uh, to the Seth Leapson Show. Sam Stone has been our guest. He is a council. Uh, he is running for city council in uh, District 6, samstone.vote. He's made the runoffs. That means that election will take place in March. Um, Sam, two things I'd like you to do. One, again, so people know what District 6 is. I'd love to give out as much information as I can and why your seat matters. District 6 is basically Arcadia, Ahwatukee, a little bit of north central Phoenix. It goes up into Sunny Slope. We have, a, as I like to laughingly say, the most gerrymandered district in Arizona. Um, it's connected north to south by a 10-foot abandoned railroad right away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they, pulled, they pulled the wool as far as they could on that one. But um, look, folks, I mean, if you're driving around and you're seeing all these panhandlers and homeless getting more and more aggressive and you want want to change that, then you got to vote for me. Because um, the guy I'm running against, he's the mayor's candidate, handpicked candidate, lives in Scottsdale, rented a house in Ahwatukee to run for this race. And the mayor brought him into it. She's running him around town. She's doing his fundraising. If you think Kate Gallego is going to get take that Seriously, you haven't been paying attention for the last five, six years, right? I mean, this is just not – it's not something she's going to do, so it's not something he's going to do. Law and order. He's a, he's a cop, right? But he's not endorsed by the local police unions. Maybe ask why that is, folks, um, because I, I, as you've heard on this show, I'm a big believer in law and order. Law and order is the foundation of every civil society in the history of the earth, and the minute it breaks down, your society breaks down, and that's what we have happening to us right now. So I'm big on law and order. And then I'm big on fiscal sanity. I mean, if you're going to go, I'm, I'm all for making sure people have good transportation options. But that doesn't mean building a light rail line 
in front of your homeless shelter that's going to turn into a rolling homeless shelter and nothing else and spending billions of dollars on it. That's not smart. Okay? You have to figure this stuff out. You have to you have to plan it out and you have to do it intelligently. And running a, a, a brand new line, rail line in front of a homeless our homeless campus in front of the zone is idiocy. So you have to look if you if you like Living in a livable city, if you like living in a drivable city, if you like living in a city where you're not being accosted the moment you exit your car every time by someone aggressively panhandling, then vote Sam Stone. Go to samstone.vote. Help me out. Join up. Sign up for our mailing list. We're going to have a big organizing meeting in a couple of weeks right after Thanksgiving. Godspeed to you, Sam. You know, I'm just thinking for people that like – the phrase, there's no substitute for brains, and they see it in someone like a Ron DeSantis who doesn't take any guff and can, um, can, can tell the media and straighten them out when they get it wrong and when they want to attack you and tell the left and straighten them, tell off the left and straighten them out when they come after you and do it in a smarter way than they have. And, um, you know, be the person where wokeness goes to die. That's Sam Stone to me. You're our Ron DeSantis, man. So Godspeed to you. I, I just like to read way too much is what this comes down to. Seth. Yeah, but you're also articulate. You know, there's a difference between, you know, just the nerd who reads, which is me, and someone who can read and apply it and put it up in rhetoric and public policy that people can grab onto, which is you. So go and get them. And embarrass themselves on the campaign trail. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. We'll give you more airtime. We'll see. I'm Seth. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.